Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Welcome, everyone. I'm Miriam Knight, and I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Francesca Toman. Francesca is an author, artist, Akashic record reader, and a conscious channel. Following a near-death experience as a child, she developed a meditation practice that supported a path of spiritual exploration, during which she discovered that she was a natural channel. In 1990, she began channeling a 16th century England Wiccan by the name of Obahan for Spirit Speaks magazine. She later created a newsletter called Familiar Spirits and has channeled personalities from Laurel and Hardy to George Washington and from ETs to angels. When she was asked to do a piece with Nikola Tesla, Francesca was so enthralled by the depth, integrity, and complexity of the material that she asked him for more. His responses to questions posed by her and others presented a fascinating new approach to physics, which she has compiled into her book. Nikola Tesla, Afterlife Comments on Paraphysical Concepts. I am delighted to welcome her and possibly Mr. Tesla. Welcome, Francesca. A great pleasure. And yes, he's standing right here, uh, <laughs> metaphorically. But no, he says, correction, actually, he's actually standing. He's just not focused on physical reality, but he is actually here. Very good. Welcome, Mr. Tesla. Now, many people, <laughs> many people, you know, probably most who experience communications from whatever dimension, um, start by ascribing it to their imagination, or they may even start questioning their sanity. Oh, yes. What brought you to an acceptance that this was real? Uh, I'll tell you um, two things. First of all, being a fiction writer, I know what parts of my brain actually get used when I'm making stuff up. As my father used to say, oh, you're just making it all up. And I said, well, how do you know? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're wandering around inside of my brain and you're knowing what I'm knowing and what I'm seeing. But no, I, I, I know how to make things up. I do it regularly. I know the difference. But the real kicker was when I was channeling uh, Obahan for the first time, and she was telling me the story of her life. And amongst other things, you know, her, her husband used to go out to the city a lot, and uh, he was actually killed, uh, presumably by mistake, uh, in a bar fight by, by someone's gun. And um, this was like early 1500s, and I, what? There were guns then? I had to research whether or not guns had been invented yet. And yes, indeed, they had. So it's like, hmm, I seem to be on to something real. Hmm. Well, what is channeling like for you? How do you experience it? Channeling is very neat because it's like stepping back from yourself a little bit. Um, it's several things. You, you, you choose the being to whom you wish to speak or listen from. 
uh, in, or you can speak for, uh, there are three levels. One is pure information. The other is what I call relay, which I hope we'll do today. And then full channel, which I have done, uh, even with Tesla. Um, but it's like opening up the higher registers of my awareness and putting up the antennae and um, sensing the person or being who wishes to speak with me and then sort of stepping back a little bit. It's almost as though you were riding a horse with someone sitting in front of you and you gave the reins to the person sitting in front of you. Hmm. So it's like you're still on the horse. So you could, you know what's going on. You could say, hey, wait a second. You do not want to go that way <laughs> you know, you, uh, or whatever. But you let the other person drive. And when the ETs work with me, they love using every fragment of my vocabulary. Ditto Tesla. <laughs> he is nothing if not erudite. He's very good. Um, but it's, you get, if, you know, if you are working with beings of high energy, you get energy back. If you channel and you feel drained after, you've got to change something. Either you have to work on shielding or you have to work on whatever. Um, I was, I have been meditating since, off and on a little times, but meditating since uh, 1968. I was taught by Betty Bethards. And way back when, and it was just in time too, because my mother died two years later, and I had to be able to deal with it. And meditation really helped. Mm -hmm. But um, channeling is because it gives me energy, and because I learn things and discover things, and I get to hang out with some of my ET friends, and I've channeled some um, discarnates for for people. It's it's a bit like singing, but singing in a choir. Because you're singing, you're on your own note, and yet you're with the other notes. And there's a, there's a combined resonance oh. of tension and of, of information. So it becomes really a rewarding experience. That's a fascinating analogy. Getting back to Mr. Tesla, Nikola Tesla, um, why were you asked to do a piece with him? I mean, had you been in touch with him before? And can you contact anybody you want from history? I, yes, I have. This all started because of my um, newsletter, uh, Familiar Spirits. Someone saw it, and he was creating newsletter, Dick Isley, and he was creating the newsletter, Lighten Up. And Lighten Up was because this was around about, you know, mid-90s, and uh, everybody was dooming and glooming and, oh, my God, you know, everything's going to fall into the ocean. and uh, <laughs> Kind of like today. <laughs> <laughs> well, like today. Has anyone noticed the Armageddon didn't happen? Oh. But, uh, you know, so he asked me to channel Laurel and Hardy, and that's how that lovely list came out. And I did, you know, and then, you know, Someone else and I did. You've gone a bit quiet on me, uh, Francesca. Speak back into the microphone, please. My apologies. Uh, but I channeled someone else and someone else, and then I and then channeled Tesla, and and, and we got we got a little short uh, interview, and I said, "Excuse me, Tesla, can you come back? You have been telling me the secrets of the universe. Please continue." Uh, so I actually was introduced to him for the work with Lighten Up. But I, you know, I just said, 
Hey, I have since found out that Tesla, Dr. Tata Vakaitis, and I were all friends in Lemuria. So, hmm. this was obviously a setup. <laughs> uh, what is it like to work with him? Uh, he is gracious. He is patient. He's just sweet. He has, you know, a very mild and dry sense of humor, but he definitely has a sense of humor. Um, he uh, will often give me a good long sentence, like one phrase at a time, and I don't know what's going on with the sentence until we get to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Although we've had enough practice that just lately, you know, I can just sort of, you know, it's like somebody saying something in my ear, and here I am, I'm just typing. So mm-hmm. I'm a secretary. <laughs> Could I ask him what it's like to work with you? Um, he's saying he's he's, uh, privileged for the opportunity he uh, so few of us spirits he says get a second chance and this is my second chance Um, that when I came to earth the earth was very different and perhaps I could have come a little later but then again the circumstances that are real now could not have been without my having been on earth when I was. That's a bit of a mind twist, but absolutely logical, as I would have expected from Nikola Tesla. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says, I am a good deal more than logic, my dear. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, I am also quite magic. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me um, why it is important to bring the information in this book out at this time. Um, The reasons are several, um, he's saying, that uh, the main is that we succeeded in uh, accomplishing the shift, the 2012 shift. And he wants to give some tools for the light workers uh, of humanity, some tools for the, um, you know, the unengineers of the world, you know, the uh, healers, the the teachers, the those who have followed the spiritual path, because there has been this divorce between spirit and science for so long, and science has begun to touch the edges of spirit. And now it's an opportunity for spirit to touch the edges of science. But the way to introduce a spiritual person to science is by spiritual means. Hence, all of our um, meditations, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, couched, you know, know, framed by the um, pure information of uh, new ways of perceiving physics itself. Because the, too many scientists keep forgetting the real uh, breadth of the observer effect. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And uh, quite, quite briefly, uh, what did you mean by meditations? Are there med- meditations in the book? There are several meditations. There is a meditation on how to create spiritual enzymes. Uh, which uh, very lovely set of processes, 
and various other med- meditations throughout, such as meditations with light, uh, meditations with memory, and so on. So these meditations are, are kind of uh, coaching sessions for how to make this connection? Um, we're not sure we understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're to enable people to um, build their talents and, and uh, uh, make things Ah, yes. Um, no, he says, the audience to whom I am speaking are the experienced ones. Ah. Okay. Not, you know, because uh, I'm trying to be elitist. <laughs> okay. There are so many. Yes, Mr. Tesla, I would never accuse you of being elitist. Now, we're going to, we're going to have to take a break, uh, and then we will be right back with Francesca Toman and Nikola Tesla. Welcome, everyone. I'm Miriam Knight, and I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Francesca Toman. Francesca is an author, artist, Akashic record reader, and a conscious channel. Following a near-death experience as a child, she developed a meditation practice that supported a path of spiritual exploration, during which she discovered that she was a natural channel. In 1990, she began channeling a 16th century England Wiccan by the name of Obahan for Spirit Speaks magazine. She later created a newsletter called Familiar Spirits and has channeled personalities from Laurel and Hardy to George Washington and from ETs to angels. When she was asked to do a piece with Nikola Tesla, Francesca was so enthralled by the depth, integrity, and complexity of the material that she asked him for more. His responses to questions posed by her and others presented a fascinating new approach to physics, which she has compiled into her book. Nikola Tesla, Afterlife Comments on Paraphysical Concepts. I am delighted to welcome her and possibly Mr. Tesla. Welcome, Francesca. A great pleasure. And yes, he's standing right here, uh, <laughs> metaphorically. But no, he says, correction, actually, he's actually standing. He's just not focused on physical reality, but he is actually here. Very good. Welcome, Mr. Tesla. Now, many people, people, you know, probably most who experience communications from whatever dimension, um, start by ascribing it to their imagination, or they may even start questioning their sanity. Oh, yes. What brought you to an acceptance that this was real? Uh, I'll tell you um, two things. First of all, being a fiction writer... I know what parts of my brain actually get used when I'm making stuff up. Because my father used to say, oh, you're just making it all up. And I said, well, how do you know? I mean, (laughs) you're you're wandering around inside of my brain and you're knowing what I'm knowing and what I'm seeing. But no, I, I, I know how to make things up. I do it regularly. I know the difference. But the real kicker was... When I was channeling uh, Obahan for the first time, and she was telling me the story of her life. And amongst other things, you know, her, her husband used to go out to the city a lot, 
and uh, he was actually killed, uh, presumably by mistake, uh, in a bar fight by by someone's gun. And um, this was like early 1500s. And I, what? There were guns then? I had to research whether or not guns had been invented yet. And yes, indeed, they had. So it's like, hmm, I seem to be on to something real. Hmm. What is channeling like for you? How do you experience it? Channeling is very neat because it's like stepping back from yourself a little bit. Um, It's several things. You, you, You choose the being to whom you wish to speak or listen from. Uh, and or you can speak for. Uh, there are three levels. One is pure information. The other is what I call relay, which I hope we'll do today, and then full channel, which I have done, uh, even with Tesla. Uh, but it's like opening up the higher registers of my awareness and putting up the antennae and... Um, sensing the person or being who wishes to speak with me and then sort of stepping back a little bit. It's almost as though you were riding a horse with someone sitting in front of you and you gave the reins to the person sitting in front of you. Hmm. So it's like you're still on the horse. So you could, you know what's going on. You could say, hey, wait a second. You do not want to go that way. (laughs) You uh, or whatever, but you let the other person drive. And when the ETs work with me, they love using every fragment of my vocabulary. Ditto Tesla. <laughs> he is nothing if not erudite. He's very good. Um, but it's, you get, if you know, if you are working with beings of high energy, you get energy back. If you channel and you feel drained after, you've got to change something. Either you have to work on shielding or you have to work on whatever. Um, I was—I have been meditating since, off and on a little times, but meditating since uh, 1968. I was taught by Betty Bethards and way back when. And it was just in time, too, because my mother died two years later and I had to be able to deal with it. And meditation really helped. Mm-hmm. But um, channeling is... Because it gives me energy and because I learn things and discover things and I get to hang out with some of my ET friends and I've channeled some um, discarnates for, for people, it's, it's a bit like singing, but singing in a choir. Because you're singing, you're on your own note, and yet you're with the other notes. And there's a, there's a combined resonance. Oh. Of tension and of, of information. So it becomes really a rewarding experience. That's a fascinating analogy. Getting back to Mr. Tesla, Nikola Tesla, um, why were you asked to do a piece with him? I mean, had you been in touch with him before? And can you contact anybody you want from history? I, yes, I have. This all started because of my um, newsletter, uh, Familiar Spirits. Someone saw it, and he was creating newsletter, Dick Isley, and he was creating the newsletter, Lighten Up. And Lighten Up was because, this is around about, you know, 
mid-90s, and uh, everybody was dooming and glooming, and oh my God, you know, everything's going to fall into the ocean. and uh, <laughs> Kind of like today. <laughs> well, like today. <laughs> So he asked me to channel Laurel and Hardy, and that's how that lovely list came out, and I did, you know, and then, you know, channel someone else, and I did. You've gone a bit quiet on me, uh, Francesca. Speak back into the microphone, please. My apologies. Uh, but I channeled someone else and someone else, and then I and then channeled Tesla, and and, and we got we got a little short uh, interview, and I said, "Excuse me, Tesla, can you come back? You have been telling me the secrets of the universe. Please continue." Uh, so I actually was introduced to him for the work with Lighten Up, but I you know I just said, "Hey, I have since found out that Tesla, Doctor Todd Avakitis, and I were all." friends in Lemuria. So hmm. this was obviously a setup. <laughs> uh, what is it like to work with him? Uh, he is gracious. He is patient. He's just sweet. He has, you know, a very mild and dry sense of humor, but he definitely has a sense of humor. Um, he... Uh, will often give me a good long sentence, like one phrase at a time, and I don't know what's going on with the sentence until we get to the end of it. Mm -hmm. Although we've had enough practice that just lately, you know, I can just sort of, you know, it's like somebody saying something in my ear, and here I am, I'm just typing. So mm -hmm. I'm a secretary. <laughs> Could I ask him what it's like to work with you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's saying he's, he's uh, privileged for the opportunity. He, uh, so few of us spirits, he says, get a second chance. And this is my second chance. Um, that when I came to Earth, the Earth was very different. And perhaps I could have come a little later. But then again, the circumstances that are real now could not have been without my having been on Earth when I was. That's a bit of a mind twist, but absolutely logical, as I would have expected from Nikola Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, I am a good deal more than logic, my dear. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I am also quite magic. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me um, why it is important to bring the information in this book out at this time. Um, the reasons are several, um, he's saying, that uh, the main is that we succeeded in uh, accomplishing the shift, the 2012 shift. And he wants to give some tools for the light workers uh, of humanity, some tools for the, um, you know, the unengineers of the world, you know, the uh, healers, the the teachers, the those who have followed the spiritual path, because there has been this divorce between spirit and science for so long, 
And science has begun to touch the edges of spirit, and now it's an opportunity for spirit to touch the edges of science. But the way to introduce a spiritual person to science is by spiritual means, hence all of our um, meditations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, couched, you know, you know, framed by the um, pure information of uh, new ways of perceiving physics itself. Because the, too many scientists keep forgetting the real uh, breadth of the observer effect. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And uh, quite, quite briefly, uh, what did you mean by meditations? Are there med- meditations in the book? There are several meditations. There is a meditation on how to create spiritual enzymes, uh, which a very lovely set of processes, and various other meditations throughout, such as meditations with light, uh, meditations with memory, and so on. So these meditations are are kind of... coaching sessions for how to make this connection? Um, We're not sure we understand the question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're to enable people to um, build their talents and and, uh, uh, make things. Ah, yes. no, he says, the audience to whom I am speaking are the experienced ones. Ah. Okay. Not, you know, because uh, I'm trying to be elitist. <laughs> okay. There are so many. Yes, Mr. Tesla, I would never yes. accuse you of being elitist. Now, we're going, <laughs> we're going to have to take a break, uh, and then we will be right back with Francesca Toman and Nikola Tesla. Your conscious connection to a more mindful world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Hey ladies, do you want to have that good hair day feeling all the time? Gentlemen, would you want your special someone to have that glow letting you know she's feeling completely satisfied? This feeling and that glow can be yours by embracing your sexual power. So join me, Rachel Kenley, award-winning romance author on The O-Spot, The O-Spot will guide you to that peak with guest interviews, book discussions, and conversations on the thrills of sexual empowerment. Put the zing back in your life. Come up and see me sometime on The O-Spot, live on Hump Day at 10 p.m. Eastern. Being a radio host on IOM-FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. Simone Millicis would like you to know that business can be fun, which is why she wrote the book Joy of Business. 
What if you could have the joy of business rather than the stress and struggle? Most of the time, the only thing stopping you from a thriving business is you. In the Joy of Business book, Simone gives you access consciousness tools and pragmatic ways to get out of your own way and to create the business, life, and living you know is possible and beyond what this reality says is achievable. Business is joy. It's creation. It's generative. It can be the adventure of living. You can purchase your copy of the book through Amazon or Joy of Business website, www.accessjoyofbusiness.com. Are you ready to shift your energy, consciousness, and limiting beliefs? Join me, Shafali Burns, every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Shifting with Shafali here on Om Times Radio. Shift the blocks, limitations, and negative energies that have kept you from experiencing a life filled with joy, peace, love, abundance, and happiness. Are you ready to shift with Shafali? Are you ready to shine your brilliance? The future of Internet Radio is here. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. And we are back with Francesca Toman. And we are talking about the extraordinary background to her new book, Nikola Tesla Afterlife Comments on Paraphysical Concepts. Let's start with that tagline, Francesca. What do you mean by paraphysical concepts? Um, a fair amount of physics is actually uh, not physical, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like with the, the string theory, which is actually a very good theory to work with, the, you know, most of the universe is not obvious, is not seen, is not felt. Uh, so that's paraphysical. It's outside of you know what you can see, feel, touch, weigh, etc. Uh, and those uh, inner dimensions, those multidimensional um, geometries, actually affect physicality constantly. And as human beings, as conscious beings, we can intersect, we can connect with those deep uh, multidimensional realities. Uh, and work with them quite directly and shift them and change them. Again, that's why the meditations. There are a lot of people being born now who, uh, you know, for whom meditation is like, it's super easy because they've, you know, they remember their lives when they were Zen Roshis and so on. <laughs> so on. So the, consequently, I mean, this is, you know, these meditations are meant to be fun and engaging and um possibly quite useful. Hmm. What is the most important thing you have learned in this work with Tesla? Wow. There have been so many things. Um, Okay, I just learned something yesterday. We're working on finishing an article for the next volume. Um, Primordial chaos is actually one of the enfolded dimensions of reality. I thought that was pretty trippy. <laughs> but we have, you know, we have what's called the zero dimension, which is the dimension of... Speak the, into the mic. I am, I'm, I, I am, mm. I am. Uh, but we have the zero dimension, 
which is the um, dimension that is in all places and in no place, which might as well be called God as makes no never mind, we have the dimension of identity, which translates the divine experience into physicality. But I also found out yesterday that the primordial chaos from which reality sprang is also, in that sense, a dimension. So he is slowly revealing the uh, nature of these inner dimensions. And maybe by that revelation, he will assist some of the (laughs) frustrated string theorists (laughs) who have not been able to (laughs) quite get how to do multidimensional physics. You you can't really do multidimensional physics in four-dimensional reality terribly well. Mm. Be magical and spiritual, and so that's another reason why he is presenting this information to spiritual people, because the spiritual people have the, so to speak, the the uh, strength to go flying in those higher realms and catch the meaning of those inner dimensions. Can we ask, Mister Tesla? Uh, what, what, in his view, is the most important thing that he wants to convey today? The most important thing that he wishes to convey today is how deeply, in, two things, how deeply interactive the universe is with human consciousness, because the universe is literally made from consciousness. Consciousness is not an epiphenomenon. It is not something that happens as a result of physicality. Physicality happens as a result of consciousness. The other thing is that we are so much on the edge of something the like of which no one, not even God, has ever seen. And this is because of all of our work, and this is because of all of our love and prayer, and uh, this is this is a gift that we are giving back to the divine being, because the divine being is very aware and very real, and has nothing to do with being or not being a scientist. <laughs> Can you give us a hint as to what this fantastic thing is? This fantastic thing has, first of all, to do with how Earth will be without fear and with a minimum of pain. How Earth will be with wonder at every moment. How Earth will be crafted from love how earth will be renewed with joy all of these things it is you know this is in our hands to do not to fuss not to worry not to fear not to judge you know you can discern but not to judge yourself or others but just say okay this is the situation what can we do and then be inspired to do not to rail or complain but to do 
it kind of sounds like the Garden of Eden and then the people messed it up. <laughs> well, as, as this is mostly Francesca speaking this time, as a friend of mine says, um, we wanted to figure out how far we could go away from God and still come back. Mm-hmm. We have gone very, very far. Think of Stalin. Think of Pol Pot and a few others. We've gone very far, and yet we've decided to make the U-turn, and we're going back home. We're bringing home with us. So does Mr. Tesla hang out with the ETs? <laughs> he says they come, and buy, they come by and visit a lot. <laughs> Where are they from? And, and are they as um, scientifically advanced as he is? Um, he's saying that's, that's somewhat an impossible question to answer, partly because um, their science is so very different. Ooh, that's intriguing. And... Um, it, it's a bit like apples and pears. Uh, you know, they may both be fruit, but it's, an, you know, it's a different kind of thing altogether. So, uh, there are, uh, it, it's also the issue of some of them are more advanced technologically, but less advanced spiritually. Some are more advanced spiritually and less advanced technologically. Uh, there are those UTs who do not need um, physical objects, you know, to move. Mm-hmm. I mean, i.e., you, you don't have to hop in a UFO. You just come over here. You translate directly. Uh, you know, they don't do that very often because the energy around Earth is still just a tad too chaotic and still roiling around a bit. And uh, but. Um, so this um, balance between spirituality and science that we are uh, creeping up on, um, it, it sounds a bit like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Is this the optimal mix of spirituality and technology, if we achieve uh, it? Uh, if he means the book, he, say, he says, it's a mixture. It's one of the bowls of of a porridge um, the the mixture depends upon your circumstances uh, uh, not you know planetary and personal uh, you know how much spirit how much science it depends upon what you need mm-hmm. so what's the most important thing that you personally have learned about living a spiritual life Francesca the constant presence the constant presence, the constant presence of my guides, the constant presence of the angels, the constant presence of God, the constant presence of the goddess, the constant presence. It's like how alive everything really is mm. and how responsive things can be. We're only on the edge of cracking open how to work with what seems to have been inert stuff, like how about if you can talk to the very spirit of water and have it remove itself from salt? Oh. How about, you know, the lovely idea of 
uh, speaking to the spirit of the earth and having it bring back some of the extinct animals. Uh, I would I would draw the line at dinosaurs. Granted, granted. <laughs> But there are some extinct animals that would be a very good thing to have, even in this present ecology. The Earth does have her own wisdom, and she does have her own sense of timing. Yeah, if we keep it up, one of the extinct animals is going to be humans. Um, We do tend to forget that. (laughs) So um, you you alluded to um, a new book that you're writing with Tesla. Uh, Do you have this uh, already well underway? Yes, indeed, I do. Uh, indeed, I'm trying to finish the editing um, for um, mid-October, mm. and then we'll start the book chunking through. This is uh, the same Afterlife Comments on Paraphysical Concepts, Volume, volume 2, mm-hmm. Healing and Magic. Oh, I can't wait. He actually defines magic in a scientific sense. Oh, what fun. Oh, what fun. Mr. Tesla, do you have a a final farewell for us? (laughs) He's saying, stay in your hearts, stay in joy, and as he says in the first book, let it all be sand in the sandbox. (laughs) (laughs) Francesca, do you have a website? Yes, I do. Um, your Akashic Knowing.com. You just type uh-huh. that in. And uh, I also have the two other books. Um, uh, so you search by my name and you will come up with Auntie Ducks, Story Rhymes, uh, Hatchlings, Volume 1, and oh, Ducklings, Volume 1. Thank so, you. Uh, my webmaster and I still have to get uh, the Tesla site up, but we will shortly. Okay. Uh, so that will... Oh, um, Thank well, you. Not Very- by the middle of October. Thank you, Francesca. We have to run uh, for a station break now, but okay. stay with us and we will be back. Francesca Toman, T-H-O-M-A-N. Thank you. Thank you. Conscious connection to a more mindful world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Mediumship Messages and Musings explores mediumship and all things metaphysical. Lisa Phoenix invites you to reach above and beyond your everyday experiences to explore new dimensions in the spirit world. She will do live readings to connect callers to their loved ones in spirit, shares engaging stories and teachings from her own personal experience, and will have intriguing conversations with other mediums, spiritual teachers, and healers to help you understand the metaphysical world so you can connect to these forces in your day-to-day life. Join your host on this magical and metaphysical journey into the world of spirit every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Are you trying to get from point A to point B and need a little advice? Connect with the counselors at Ohm Times Advisors. Whether you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual intuitive, 
the advisors participating at advisors.omtimes.com were carefully chosen based on their gifts, skills, and professionalism. Ohm Times Advisors, connecting you with the best advisors in the business. If you remember living fearlessly, joyfully, and in a world filled with adventure, happiness, pleasure, and unbridled living, then this show is for you. Join me, Dame Nicole Brandon, as I bring you the world's top experts in wealth, creativity, flow, seat edging technology, space, wellness, health, love, lust, and passion, all merging together each week here at the Hub of Happiness. Mondays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Passionate Living, where you can ride on the magic carpet ride of living and learn how to lead a passionately wild, exciting, and outrageously amazing life. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Everyone, and welcome back. I'm Miriam Knight, and I'm speaking now with Jalaja Bonheim. Welcome. We had a little bit thank of you. <laughs> contretemps there. I was, yeah, thank you, Miriam. I was just introducing you, and I, I was telling our listeners that you've trained hundreds of female circle leaders from around the world, and you are internationally known for your groundbreaking work with Israeli and Palestinian women in the Middle East. You grew up German and Jewish in post-war Germany. And I can imagine that you had to struggle to make sense of the events that left both the German and the Jewish people so deeply traumatized. Um, I assume that this work actually informed the book that we're going to discuss today, which is called The Sacred Ego, Making Peace with Ourselves and the World. I have to say, Jalaja, that I have rarely been so moved with the profundity and importance of a book for what is going on today in the world. And I just want to acknowledge you for for the work that you have done and poured into this important book. Welcome and blessings. Thank you so much, Miriam, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. Tell me how how growing up as a Jew in post-war Germany um, affected you. It must have been very strange. It was strange, Miriam, and I grew up in a family where I think as in many post-Holocaust Jewish families, things were not talked about. And so... I had, as a child, no way of making sense of things. And it left me with this conviction that there had to be something wrong with us as a species. And really, that was what put me on the spiritual path. I wanted to understand, is there something wrong with us? And if so, what is it? What is it that causes us to create such suffering for each other? And really, that's what put me on the path that led to this book, The Sacred Ego. There are many, many concepts in the book that I would like to go into more deeply. We, we have such a limited amount of time. But let's start with explaining the idea of circle work. What is it and how did you come up with it? 
Well, I've been leading circle gatherings for over 32 years now. And right from the get-go, I understood that the circle was something like a power tool. It was something that people of all ages, of all cultures have used as a tool for healing themselves and for building community and really for, for spiritual awakening. And I began to understand that it's an, an archetype, if you will, that is awakening very strongly in our day and age. And I think the reason is that we have an urgent need to awaken to our oneness as a planetary community. And so more and more, that was how I started using my circle gatherings. And today, of course, we have, I bring women together from all around the world. And we have women from Israel and Afghanistan and India and Kenya and Australia. And the circle is such a wonderful tool for awakening that sense of oneness. Um, not just with people from other cultures, but that awareness that there really are no strangers. And what happens in the circles is that the women really, I'd have to say they fall in love with each other. And it's just a beautiful thing to witness. Well, I understand from your book that the basis of the circle is, is respectful listening uh, I was struck by that because of interviewing Don Miguel Ruiz when he came out with his book about the Fifth Agreement. And the Fifth Agreement was to listen, to be skeptical, yeah. but to honor the other person by listening deeply. That's, that's something that we forget to do in common society. I think we do. And, you know, to really listen, you yourself have to be in a place of inner spaciousness. You know, if you are in that place of busy mind and already figuring out what you're going to say next, then it, you might appear to be listening. But this is a different kind of listening. This is, I call it listening through the words to what's lies deeper. And when we listen to each other in that way, it's like we're drawing forth the, the wisdom that is actually there, but we sometimes ourselves don't even know it's there until we are listening to in that way. And I think especially for women, it's crucial. I've had so many women who, who said, you know, I, I never really had a voice. And in this experience of being heard, so deeply, they discovered that they did have a voice. And from there, then, they, they had the courage to go out into the world and, and speak their truth. Another aspect of the circle that you touched upon just now was that they begin to, to be drawn to each other and really love each other. There's, there's a sense of community that is fostered. Um, this is a time when we seem to be so uh, alienated, so so separate, so alone in the world. Um, you you describe the difference between the tribal tribe and community, and, and how the tribe is really hardwired in, into us. 
Can you speak to that? Because I think that's kind of a, a very central concept. Yes, the tr- what I call tribal conditioning. You know, we sometimes forget that for something like 99.9% of human history, we all lived in small tribal groups. And so the, the patterns of thinking and relating that evolved in that situation are very deep in our psyche. And one obvious example is us versus them thinking. You know, if you lived in a small tribe, it made complete sense. But then here we are in this global world where all our major problems can only be solved if we really think as a global community. And everywhere you look, you see this kind of tribal thinking, my group versus their group. And, you know, we all have it. And and that is really amazing to see in the circle how we all run into our own little remnant of tribal conditioning. Um, for example, I've often worked with activists, and there's that sense of, well, we have the answers, we know better, and they are just ignorant and benighted. You know, it's usually not said that way, but it's, it's that tribal thinking is very deep in us, and it's very important to work with it in a in a not non-judgmental way. Mm. Mm-hmm. You you actually uh, cut a lot of slack for the ego. It, it, the ego uh, has been much maligned in uh, modern times. And it, as you say, it has kept us safe in tribal times. But now the definition of the tribe is growing uh, to encompass really the whole planet. Um, but we are still addicted to our judgments and to our beliefs. You have this concept of belief addiction. Tell us about that. It was such an important and enlightening idea. Yes, if you wanted to belong to a tribe, then it was essential that you would embrace the belief system of that tribe. You know, in a a traditional tribe, everyone held the same religious beliefs, the same values. There was a lot of homogeneity. And even today, if you want to belong, let's say, to Catholicism, you have to embrace a specific set of beliefs. And so, since for so many thousands of years, our very life depended upon being accepted in the tribe, you know, because outside of the tribe, there was no life. If you were expelled from your tribe, it was expensive. So even to this day, we become very emotionally attached to the belief systems that mark us as members of specific tribes. So these might be political belief systems, they might be religious beliefs, all kinds of belief systems. And of course we have beliefs, and that's not a problem. But the minute we begin to fall into that sense of, well, if you do not share my beliefs, then you are different from me, you are alien, you are not part of my tribe. That's when we cross the line into belief addiction. We start defining our identity, not on the fact that we are pure consciousness, 
but we start defining our identity based on the beliefs that we hold. And that is invariably divisive. So it's a habit that, you know, we have held for thousands of years and it has worked. But today, now that we've entered into the global era, it doesn't work anymore. No. So it we doesn't. have to we have to find a new way of relating to our own beliefs. Absolutely. Well, we will be right back after these messages with Jalaja Bonheim. Free your mind. Expand your soul. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Eros Evolution is where sexuality and spirituality meets. Join me, clinical sexologist Martha Tara Lee, on Eros Evolution on Thursdays, 4 p.m. Eastern on Om Times Radio. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleashed, a political talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleashed, every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio. Bringing you the best of the conscious minds in the world. Ohm Times Radio, your conscious lifestyle on steroids. And we are back speaking with Jalaja Bonheim, PhD, I might add, uh, author of The Sacred Ego, Making Peace with Ourselves and Our World. Jalaja, um, the, the exploration in the book of heart thinking as opposed to mind thinking, um, this, this is kind of underlying the uh, the relational education that you are proposing. Um, tell us about both. What is relational education and um, how do we go about heart thinking instead of mind thinking? Relational education is just, you know, very simply put, the kind of education that allows us to maintain harmonious relationships. And it's easy to see that that is something every single one of us needs to be able to do. And it's also very clear that in our world today, we have a problem with it. And so I, I feel very passionate that, about the fact that relational education, it should be taught in every school, in every college, 
children need it, adults need it. Um, without it, we don't stand a chance of creating harmonious relationships in this day and age, where there are so the challenges are so big, and there's so much diversity. So um, heart thinking is the kind of thinking where you are certainly using your mind, but you are using in mind in service of the heart. And, of course, people from, you know, Jesus, Gandhi, they have all been proponents of heart thinking. And yet there is this popular idea that somehow it's idealistic, it's not practical. And having worked in the Middle East with Jews and Palestinians, I can say for sure that it is not only practical, but when human relationships are involved, I think that heart thinking is actually the only practical way of relating. Because when you try and figure out conflict through the mind alone, divorced from the heart, you are just going to hit an impasse. And of course, that's what happens all the time in the Middle East. And I find that if you are able to create a space where people can really open their heart, which is what I try to do in my circle gatherings, you begin to see that people, they still have their differences. They might not agree, but they begin to feel, oh, we are human beings who share the same fears, the same hopes. We are really not all that different. And those bonds of kindness and compassion and caring just begin to very naturally evolve. And, you know, heart thinking is also, I think, what, what our soul longs for. It's really the way that we long to connect to other people. And so as women become more familiar and more um, adept with heart thinking through circle work, they begin to take it out into their families, into their communities, and they begin to see how their relationships transform and become just much more fulfilling and satisfying. Another concept that you describe is acceptance. It doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with everything, but you accept a person's right to think that way. Uh, how does that fit into your paradigm? You know, I think of the heart as it's sometimes visualized as a bowl that can hold everything. Like if you put a piece of fruit into a bowl, it will just hold it. It won't say this is a good fruit or a bad fruit. And so when our heart is open, we have that capacity to meet other people where they are, to accept them as they are. And actually, I think it is only from that place of acceptance that that other people begin to shift and transform and heal. You know, because we've all experienced that. If we feel, if we don't feel accepted, we are just going to shut down. So it's a place where no healing can happen. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that acceptance is the, the foundation. It's the beginning from which our transformation can occur. 
you had a really powerful um, anecdote about Justin, the the black psychologist and the KKK member. Yes. Can you briefly yes. tell us? Yes. Um, Justin is an amazing African-American therapist, and um, he he worked in a counseling agency where he was assigned this client who had been convicted on drug-related charges. But instead of being sent to jail, he was told he had to do a year of counseling. And it so happened that he was an adamant racist and a member of the Ku Klux Klan. And he was assigned to an African-American therapist. God must have been so laughing it was somewhere. Either, yeah, either work with the therapist or go to jail. And so, you know, like it or not, he was stuck with Justin. And Justin really is a heart thinker. And he had this amazing capacity to really meet this man where he was without judgment, without um, reactivity. And over the course of the year, a tremendous transformation occurred to the point that by the end, um, Andy, the man who had been convicted, really viewed Justin as one of his best friends and said that Justin had completely changed his life and really saved his life. It's a beautiful story. It, it was a very moving story, and it illustrates what happens when we stop looking at people with judgment and or prejudgment, I should say, and as as a class instead of as individuals. Judgment was another yes. big thing that you were uh, talking about. Yes, and you know, I would add that if we can also apply that to our own ego, because so often we approach our own ego with judgment, and as soon as we do that, we block the way to really understanding what it is, why it is that way, and how we can work with it in a skillful way. Why is the feminine so important to all of these ideas? And how do you define feminine energy and what is particularly important about it in the pursuit of peace? Wow, that's a big topic. And, and I would add, you know, people sometimes think I only work with women. I have a workshop coming up in October at the Omega Institute where men are also welcome. Um, I think that the feminine energy is by nature more inclined to focus on relationships. And, I mean, it's too big a subject to really go into the definition of the feminine, but I do see women as being on the forefront of this movement of awakening and transformation because women understand that violence is not the answer. And I see that very clearly when I work in the Middle East, where most of the women I work with are mothers. And they want their children to have a better life. And they know that violence is not the way. And so they also have what I call, I would describe it as relational courage. You know, they have the courage to reveal their vulnerability. And that is crucial. Because as long as we hide our vulnerability, 
we cannot really become intimate with each other. There's always a wall there, a protective wall. Mm. And so I, I think that, you know, all the concepts I describe apply to both men and women. Um, but I do see the feminine as having a very important role in this really global process of transformation we're in. And I think that's why everywhere, everywhere, women are standing up and demanding to have a voice and to be treated as equals. Well, to, uh, to, to, to great an extent, women have been the recipients of violence and uh, discrimination and really... I mean, we, we just have to read the news. Um, so the fact that they are standing up, what, what do you ascribe that to? Is it just a, a sense of solidarity of women everywhere? Why do you think that's happening now? Well, solidarity is certainly a really important thing. I mean, I see how much it means, for example, when I work with the Palestinian women in the West Bank. It means so much to them to know that they have sisters in this country who are thinking of them and supporting them. But I also think that, you know, there is something, there is a collective intelligence. And at this time, I think the collective intelligence of our species recognizes the importance of feminine energy. And so... Everywhere you see that feminine energy is rising up. So I really do see it as a global phenomenon that is directed not from any one particular place, but from the source of the collective intelligence itself. Mm-hmm. Well, Jalaja, um, your book, The Sacred Ego, is just absolutely required reading in my view. Uh, tell us where people can find out uh, more about your work and contact you. Yes, Quickly. they just have to go to sacredego.com, sacredego.com, and they can see my calendar and other books and get all the information. Great. Well, uh, this has gone by way too quickly. We've been speaking with Jala Jabonheim, author of The Sacred Ego, Please join us next week. And in the meantime, I hope you will visit our website at New Consciousness Review, uh, which is on ncreview.com. I'm Miriam Knight. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and many blessings.